Thanks for joining us for this podcast. We hope that it inspires you to follow Jesus. You can find out more about the life and ministry of City Lights Church and how you can connect with us at city-lights.church. Thank you. Thank you, Naomi. A couple of shout outs. Uh, Hello. If we haven't met, my name is Andrew and it's uh, my privilege along with my wife to Lead City Lights Church. So thank you for sharing your Sunday morning with us. A couple of shout outs, a couple of birthdays. Little Noah turned one yesterday. Bit of family news. Steph over here, her birthday. Not a person that likes the spotlight, but I've got the microphone, okay? So I hope that you, for those that have listened to some of our series that you've been encouraged by our series on decision-making called Better Decisions. This series has been intentionally very, very practical because who knows that decisions are really, really important. Do you know the average person makes 35,000 decisions every day? Now, some of them are inconsequential. Some of them are irreversible. And you know, you can't opt out of decision making because when you choose not to make a decision, that's still a decision. So we're left with this task of not just making decisions, but seeing how we can make better decisions. And so today I want to talk about regrets. Sometimes our decisions carry regrets. And my experience says that those, the type of decisions that carry regrets are in three categories. Do you want to hear them? The first is our relationships. Now, these can be good. When you have a relationship that's good, it's really good. And when you have a bad relationship, who knows? It's really bad. The other is habits. The third is financial decisions, purchases, spending. Why did I buy that? When I got at home, I had three of those kinds of ones, right? Some of those are like not that important. But sometimes we make financial decisions that get us into a lot of trouble, that bring anxiety into our life. And so these are sometimes areas that we have regrets on. And a difficult relationship. Sometimes can become toxic and draining. A habit sometimes can go into an addiction. And a financial decision sometimes can dominate and trap our lives. But here's where regret comes in. Regret comes in in a couple of ways. Regret comes in when we knew better. When we're like, oh, I ignored the signs. I ignored the the warnings. I ignored that thing in my gut. I ignored the red flags. I ignored the trusted friends. Another time that regret comes in is when we say, I acted out of character. That wasn't me. That wasn't who I am. Or sometimes we say, look, that got out of hand. It was something that started small, but it just kind of, snowballed into something that I didn't imagine it would be. One of the things about humans, as, a, as opposed to other mammals, other animals, 
is that humans are smart. We have the capacity to reason. We have the capacity to have logic. We have the capacity to reflect on our decisions, to reflect on the information in front of us and make different choices. So we're smart, which leads us to my first question. Why do smart people make dumb decisions? Let me tell you about a dumb decision that I made that I'm not proud of, but we might as well start with me. So I've got a background in sales and marketing. I went to university uh, after school, studied uh, marketing and management in Sydney. And one of, I worked for a couple of big American companies, pretty much about my first year out of uni, my second kind of job, I was working for a big American company called Mars. So Mars bars, Skittles, uh, Snickers, okay? So I just, I had access to endless supplies, all right? So literally, I, I used to play in my church in Sydney on the, the church band. I used to play guitar. And so I would come to practice and I would like bring like 120 Mars bars, all right? Just boom. So I was in this job and so we were salespeople our team was the New South Wales field team. And so we would, between us, we were based at all different parts around New South Wales. Um, I, would ha I had a company car and I had a, a phone. And at that time, we were talking like Nokia days, okay? I'm, da I'm, I'm aging myself here. So we're not talking smartphone. We're talking Nokia. We're talking aerials, okay? And so I had this phone, and after a while, you would get a phone upgrade. And the next upgrade that I was not quite due for was this little beauty. Have a look on the screen. Okay. Yeah, oh yeah. Okay, we're talking Nokia 6210. This baby doesn't have an aerial. Fits in your pocket unlike some other models. So I, I wasn't due to get this phone, but I really wanted this phone. I don't know why. I just, but look at it. I mean, it's gold. Like, I don't know why, but I kind of do know why. But something happened to me where I used my God-given talents... And my skills and ability to jump the queue in my team to get this particular phone. And I worked out a way. I, to be honest, I can't remember how I did it, but I did it. Do you know what I also did? I also really, really ticked off a person that I worked with. And I also turned up in a way that was out of character that wasn't good that was full of self-interest and also as a as a jesus follower people knew i was a christian it, it was a really really dumb decision and I, I regretted it and i was in sales at that time but what i realized and what all of us should realize is that in life the greatest salesperson is life is you. The person with the most potential to sell yourself a bad idea or to make a dumb decision is you. 
let me explain this a little bit. In 1910, there was a shift in advertising. Okay, in 1910, most prior to 1910, most of the advertising was based on functional qualities of the product. For example, okay, so I go outside, I don't wear shoes, it's raining, I come in, my legs are covered in mud. I get this this product, this soap product, I go to the bath and I wash my legs and it's like, look, my legs were dirty and now they're clean because of soap. Right, that's prior to 1910. After 1910, the scenario is a little bit different. Okay, here's the advertising. I walk into the room. People are whispering, what is it? What is it about him? I don't know what it is. There's something different. His preaching, it's got better. Last week it was pretty average, but I don't know what it is. And then I do the great reveal. It's the soap. You figure out at the end of the commercial that it's because I've, my life has changed because of this product that I was using. And in the early 20th century, people started to use applied psychological theory in the field of advertising. They started to implement the concepts of consumer behavior and psychologists started to influence the way that products were sold. And so they started to focus on appealing to the basic emotions of the consumer, love, hate, fear at the core, and then everything coming out of that. We started to appeal to status, to pleasure. You started to hear things like, you, you can have this because you're worth it, because you deserve it, because other people will admire you. This is what happened. And what they uncovered and discovered is the human capacity to upgrade a want into a need. The human capacity to get into your brain and say, this thing, this shiny, beautiful phone, all right, you don't need to wait for it, Andrew. You can find out a way to hack the system and get it right now. And so advertisers are learning to exploit something that is within each and every one of us that changes the way that we are processing information. One of the psychologists, pioneer psychologists, was a guy by the name of Walter D. Scott. And here's what he said. Man has been called the reasoning animal, but he could with greater truthfulness be called the creature of suggestion. He is reasonable, but he is to a greater extent suggestible. He is really unpacking the human condition. Let's go back a little bit further to a Greek historian, Thucydides, as far back as the 4th century BC. He said this, For it is the habit, a habit of mankind to entrust careless hope what they long for and to use sovereign reason to thrust aside what they do not fancy. What they're saying is if we really, really want something, we're going to use our imagination. We're going to romanticize it. We're going to build it up within us till we create this compelling case to get what we really want. Or is that just me? Which leads us to 
our week three big idea, our third big idea for this series. And the week three big idea is this. We make better decisions when we want the right things. We make better decisions when we want the right things. Do you know what drives you isn't logic or reason. It's something that is much, much deeper within you. And within every human is a deeper layer. Now the Bible, get this, the Bible is so brilliant at uncovering the human condition and describing what motivates us, what drives us. And the word that the Bible uses to sum up this deep drive, this source, is the heart. When the Bible uses the heart, this is, it uses it as the center of our will. Listen to this quote from author Tim Keller. The heart controls everything. Our thinking, feeling, decisions, and actions. What we most love, we find reasonable, desirable, and doable. Whatever we cherish in our hearts most controls the whole person. Now, one of the books of the Bible that we've been studying is the book of Proverbs. And the book of Proverbs has 75 different uses of the word heart. Do you want to understand some of them? One of the things that the Proverbs says is this. The heart is a mirror of your life. Proverbs 27, 19. As water reflects the face, so one's life reflects the heart. So think about this. You are looking ahead at your life. You are surveying your life, the outcomes of your life. And when you look at the mirror, what do you see? You see your heart. There is a causality in between what is in here and what is out there. Here's another way to think about it. Who's ever been on a, a boat or a speedboat? And you look out the back and you see the wake. That's the impact that you have on the water as you travel through. If you were to look back at the wake of your life, the good things, the bad things, the impact that you have on your world and others, and then you were trying to work out, look at the engine, what's driving it, that's your heart. Your heart is driving your life. So those are some of the pictures. Here's another picture. A spring, a wellspring, a flow of water. Proverbs 4.23 says this, Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. What do we know about water? The quality of the water is dependent on the quality of the source. What is downstream is a result of what is upstream. So if upstream is healthy, has life, is safe, has good, then downstream, you are going to benefit from it. You cannot have good water from a bad source, nor can you have bad water from a good source. This is describing the human condition. So it's like a mirror. It's like flowing water. What else is it like? The, the heart is like a storeroom. And so you can collect things. And in Proverbs, it describes that you can also collect things that aren't particularly good. 
Proverbs gives us nine things. It's a pretty realistic picture of the bad stuff we can store deep down. And here they are. It's not particularly encouraging, but it's true. It says we can, dis- we can store deceit, wicked schemes, lust, bitterness, envy, pride, corruption, violence, and evil. So I've got to ask myself, why did I so desperately want that particular sweet Nokia 6210 with its smooth lines and gold features? I had something in me that just attached to it. And if I'm honest, it was something that was selfish and self-seeking. And that decision where I turned up out of character, out of alignment with the character of Jesus, diminished my witness to those, you know what I mean by witness, my example, my integrity as a Jesus follower with that group of people is because there was something in me that flowed out of me. And I had convinced myself, I don't know how, beyond logic, beyond reason, that that was what I wanted was the most important thing. Here's where modern culture and Christianity diverge, this statement. Modern culture tells us that what we want is the right thing. So if I'm going to be an authentic person, if I'm going to be the most authentic version of myself, then I need to follow my heart, which is I need to do what my desires tell me to do. Would you, would you agree that that's an accurate statement in our culture for many people? So essentially, here's another way to put it. Our modern culture tells us that we should conform to the, our identity to our desires. Jesus tells us something different. Jesus calls us to want the right things. And that's the difference. Modern culture tells us that what we want is the right thing, but Jesus calls us to want the right thing. So we've got this situation where we have the capacity in us for stuff that's not good, and everybody faces that. And we've got this causality between what's in here and what's out there and what's in my heart as to how I treat my wife or I treat you or I treat my kids or I turn up with my friendship circle. And that leads us to the question, like, what can we do about that? If there are some things that are so deep within us, what can we do about that? And this is the beauty of life with Jesus because Jesus walks in like a breath of fresh air. And, it, and God is the only one that has the power to change a heart. The good news is that God can change a heart. Here's how he starts. Proverbs 21.2. It says, A person may think their own ways are right, but the Lord weighs the heart. Here's what I'm proposing, that we are the most authentically ourselves and alive Not when we follow our heart, 
but when we give our heart to God. That's when we're most authentically alive. That we say, God, I'm going to open this up and I'm going to talk a little bit more about that. Do you know what the book of Proverbs also says in the 20, in the 75 verses? It says that real transformation happens when wisdom, okay, wisdom, the wisdom of God, God's way of doing things, doesn't just hit our brains, but it hits our hearts. Here's the language that it uses. When wisdom is applied to the heart, it enters the heart, it's written on the heart, it's within our heart, and our hearts are set on wisdom. So the good news is that God can tell us what's going on in our lives and that he can allow that kind of deep transformation. Let me give you some application questions here. First application question. These are really, really practical. The first one is this. Am I being brutally honest about why I really want this? Now, brutal honesty is honesty that may hurt your feelings. It may hurt your pride. It may hurt your ambition. It may hurt your desire for pleasure. It may hurt your comfort but actually will align you to the things of God in a way that brings life and wholeness and health to you. Now, when I talk about this question, I'm not saying you get up in the morning, you have your toast and you're like, am I being brutally honest with why I want jam or honey? And I'm just going to sit with God and I'm just going to, Honey's got bees and which has more sugar. And now, I'm not talking about that, but there are times and there are moments where we have a sense within us that we need to investigate and saying, Am I being brutally honest with why I want this? Here's my question Do you have. Friends in your life, godly friends in your life that are truth tellers? Do you have a community of people that follow Jesus around you that will tell you the truth, even though it might hurt you a little bit? Do you have someone like that in your life? This is part of the beauty of forming deep relationships over time. That there are people, not in a nasty way, but there are people that are like, hey, do you you realize, do you recognize what's happening to you? Do you see this about yourself? Do you have truth tellers in your life? They will help you. Do you know often if you were to say a lot of your reasoning out loud, that it wouldn't make much sense. It makes a lot of sense in your mind. But when you think about your decision-making, why you want certain things, and if you have to say it out loud to someone, it sounds a little ridiculous. That's all of us, right? So the first question is, am I being brutally honest about why I really, really want this? Do you know that honesty is also found in the presence of God? 
when you open up your heart to God, when you say, just as we were singing before, where you say, hey, God, I'm just creating a bit of space. And you're like, you come to God with humility and you're like, God, maybe I haven't got everything worked out the way that I have. Could you speak to me? Could you talk some sense into me? Because I I really want to do the right thing. That's the first question. The second question is this. I love this one. Will this decision bring me closer to who I want to be in Jesus Christ? I think that's a that's a wonderful that's a wonderful way to think about our lives and our decisions. Do you know that when we open our hearts and I, I love it was so appropriate that we sang this song about giving God our hearts. Do you know, can I talk really practically? Because sometimes we come in and we're like, okay, I'm singing in a room of people. I'm lifting my hands. I'm singing, God, can you have my heart? That's a little unusual, right? Unless you're used to it. Who, who recognizes that? That's a little unusual. Do you know what you're actually doing? When you allow the presence of God into your heart, Do you know in that moment you're saying, God, set me free from selfish motives. Do you know downstream, if we talk about the product of that, what you're saying is, Lord, help me to turn up in character. Help me not to hurt the people that I love the most. Because with our bad decisions, unfortunately, if we don't deal with the stuff in here, Often the people get, that get hurt the most are the people that we love the most and love us the most. That's the nature of relationships. That's the nature of decisions. Do you know what I've found? Just something that's quite, it's, it's quite beautiful. What I've found is that when I just say, God, put your heart in mine, not my will. I've just found that there is a flow that when I relate to people, it just seems to go better. I, I'm able to share my heart. I'm able to drop some of the frustration. I'm able to drop some of the hurt. I'm able to connect with someone. So I want to just encourage us that when we step into worship, yes, it is for God's glory, God's honor. We are ministering to the Lord. But the byproduct of that is that we begin to, in a natural way, begin to live out the message of Jesus, that we allow peace to flow from us, that we allow in our relationships really good decisions, really good ways of connecting with people, the life of Jesus that's flowing from within us. I want to encourage you that every time you open the Bible and you see the picture of Jesus, You lay down your own conceptions on what life's about. And you begin to see a picture of what it means to live with integrity, to live with love, to live in peace. What you're doing in that moment is you're saying, God, I want to be more like you. I love this description from Proverbs 23, 19. So freeing. He says, listen, my son. And be wise. Set your heart on the right path. 
Set your heart on the right path. One decision at a time. Opening our heart, not knowing all the answers. Such a beautiful and wonderful thing. We're going to take a moment to pray together. just want to pray for a couple of things. You know, this is like, I reckon like one of the best parts of Sunday because we, we open up the Word of God and then we allow the presence of the Holy Spirit to work. We allow God to speak to you. Could you just, even if you know you might be here for the first time or you might be here every week, just allow the voice of God within, which is the Holy Spirit. Just to encourage you in this moment. You might want to close your eyes in this moment. I want to pray for a couple of different groups of people. The first group of people is if you have some stuff going on in your life that is painful and maybe some regrets Maybe some decisions that you made didn't turn out the way that you expected. Maybe they've had some pretty big impacts on you and and other people around you. If that's you, I believe that the Holy Spirit is just going to encourage you. He's just going to smile. He's just going to say, hey, I'm with you. Let's get on this right path. Let's walk this out together. God, we just thank you for your presence, for the Holy Spirit, just to flow across this whole room, just to encourage. You describe your work, Holy Spirit, like healing oil, like balm, soothing, comforting. God, if for those that are in, that are hurting right now and are doing so well just to be here, Lord, we pray for your presence. This morning when I was praying, I really felt that uh, God wanted to set some people free who you've, you've had confusion. You haven't known what's right and wrong. And there's like, you feel like, oh, I'm not sure what's going on. And, and God wants to bring clarity through his wonderful presence of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we just thank you, Lord. Lord, that you would make your paths clear to people. Your paths clear to people. In the name of Jesus. Thanks for joining us for this message. We hope that it has inspired you to follow Jesus. You can find out more about City Lights Church at city-lights.church.